May the goodness and grace of God bless you in this moment as together we worship. Amen. We pray. Room. Making room. Making more room. Finding room. Room seems to be about space. Lord God, find more space in our lives for the work that you would have us accomplish. More room than we can imagine. Amen. Good morning. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that, that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place here these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and leaders handed him, handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were there with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then Jesus said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer? these things, and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interrupted them. He interrupted them, the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went to stay with them, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found that the eleven and the companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he knew he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Here ends the reading. When I think about time around my family's kitchen table, I remember how sacred that time was. With two teenagers at home and an elementary schooler, time and schedules ran the roost. 
we knew that we needed time to gather as a family, and my mom made that a priority for us. My brother was probably only five years old at the time, and he learned quickly that this time was meant for us to connect, to share a little bit about ourselves. As we gathered around the table, each family member was prompted with the question, how was your day? And we were invited to share. Somewhere along the way, my brother picked up, there was a second question that was important, and he'd lead with these two words. Anything special? These two simple words allowed us to go deeper, to think about not just the silly things of the day, but the significant things, those things that allowed us to reveal ourselves to one another and to affirm who we were. This morning's gospel story is a familiar one. It's the road to Emmaus, sort of an interesting choice as we enter into the Lent season, but a powerful story about God revealing God's self in the Son, in Jesus. This is that something special that my brother referred to. Two of Jesus' disciples encounter a man along the road, but are kept from recognizing him. One of the disciples goes on to say, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. In just a few short days following Jesus' crucifixion, they have already lost hope. They've already begun to question the promises that Jesus made to them. So he tries again. He interprets all of the scriptures that had been said about him, and yet they still didn't recognize him. I see myself in this story, and maybe you do too. These moments where you know the story, you know how it's supposed to go, and you know the promises that have come for each one of us, and yet we start to wonder, maybe we were foolish, thinking that God could do the unexpected. And then it happens. Jesus reveals his identity in the breaking of the bread around a table with friends. I like to picture Jesus coming in a more glitzy fashion, maybe on a holographic cloud where he comes soaring in. I also like to think that maybe Jesus has his own theme music, kind of Indiana Jones-like, that ba-ba-ba-ba. If I ever encountered Jesus, I would be super disappointed if that didn't happen. But this morning's text reminds us that God reveals himself in Jesus in a simple, everyday moment. The disciples are left to wonder why they didn't react differently when they encountered Jesus' presence. They say, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road? The most befuddling point of a story like this is that they didn't recognize him. How much time had they spent together? How many days and nights had they sent at his feet, listening to his stories, listening to his teachings? I started to wonder, was Jesus wearing a really cool cloak at the time? Maybe he was using a little voice changer so that they didn't realize it was him. And then it hit me. No, they were blinded. They were blinded by their grief and by their fear. And so often are we. Blinded by our grief and fear, we forget the promises of God. We forget that we have this mission given to us, and we forget that fire for life that has been bestowed to each one of us. This fear and grief and uncertainty can be disheartening. They leave us stagnated. They can force us to turn inward, but this does not have to be so. This is our heartburn wake-up call. It's a case of what I like to call holy indigestion. 
It's that feeling that says, this isn't right, and we need to do something. We are God's people, called to not be fearful but hope-filled, seeing Jesus himself in our neighbor. Fear causes us to step back, but hope and trust and love bring us forward and bring us into the true life to which we have been called. This holy indigestion is exactly what the church needs. A move from fear to hope, from scarcity to abundance, and from surviving to thriving. The shift has to do with our mindset. How do we shift from an idea of scarcity, that there's never enough, to a sense that there is enough not only for me, but for everyone? If I were to give you the phrase, never enough blank, what would you fill in with that word? We're going to do it in a second. So think about never enough. Go ahead and say it all at once. Never enough. Okay, right? I like the resounding time that came out. So whatever it is for you, never enough sleep, never enough time, never enough money, fill in your own word. What kind of life can we live when we're in that never enough? The church has its own version of this. It's never enough big givers, never enough attendance, never enough mission. But if we move our mindset from scarcity to abundance, we can think about what can I do with what I have today because what I have is enough. This is a shift that allows us to not just think about ourselves and self-preservation, but to think about all people. I'm reminded this morning of a TV show called Louie. They aired a few years ago this episode about a single father raising his children, and they had this interaction. The eldest gets awarded a mango pop for finishing her homework, and the youngest wants one also. And we hear this exchange between Louis and his youngest. She says, why does she get one and not me? It's not fair. He replies, you're never going to get the same things as other people. It's never going to be equal. It's not going to happen ever in your life. So learn that now, okay? He goes on to say, listen, the only time you should look in your neighbor's bowl is to make sure that they have enough. You don't look in your neighbor's bowl to see if you have as much as them. We have a calling. It's that heartburn that we feel in us, that holy indigestion that says we are the fairness police and not for us, but for all people. We get the opportunity to act on behalf of our neighbor, to be advocates, to know that this heartburn is not for us, but it's for all people. And so we respond to that with the power of God. Let us pray. Faithful God, help us to hear this familiar story anew. Free us from all fear that keeps us from living the abundant life to which you have called us. Lead us to live not in fear or scarcity, but in hope, abundance, and a sense of enough. Guide us to forever seek to share the something special of your Son, for your sake and for the whole world. Amen. Join me in prayer. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who has made heaven and earth, who has made room for us to inhibit all that God has created. Bless this earth, our sacred bedroom, so that all who live in it may do so in peace.
And may we live long, tending well the good gifts of God. Amen. May the God who created our first room create more rooms for you, where you can invite more and more and more to the table. Amen. I invite our singers forward for our closing hymn. You'll find the words to this song on the wall. <laughs>